morning to those who are watching online. Uh, welcome today. Uh, you probably made a good decision. Um, there was no seat available for you in the inn. So um, we are grateful, though, to, to be together. I'm thankful this morning to have the privilege of sharing his word with you. Um, last week, I was uh, not up to it, and I let Gary know with like a couple hours notice. I'm just like, I'm just not going to be able to do this. And he showed up, and man, did he ever. What a great, great message. I just absolutely loved uh, hearing what he shared last week about the history of that promise of Emmanuel, 750 years early, Emmanuel, God with us. And man, the richness of his word, uh, not Gary's word, the word of the, you know, the, 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 word of the Lord, this, the amount of the history and the, the things, that, things that I had not even known before. And I was like, man, what a, what a cool uh, blessing to, to be able to hear that. If you didn't hear it yet, feel free to go back and uh, to check it out on our uh, website. You can find it on YouTube. Definitely worth listening to and um, grateful to him for, for sharing. We have a good speaking team. I am so grateful for that. We've been really working on developing a team over the last little while, and man, it has been, uh, it has been good. And our heart is the same, to help people find Christ and find community. That's our hope this morning, that you find him. Maybe it was through the worship that you're like, oh man, the presence of God is here. Maybe you're here and you don't know him today. That is our hope, that you would find the hope of the world Man, those words we sang, they are true. Man, chains got broken. Like, if you're struggling with addiction, Jesus can, can do it. I'm living proof of that. You know, you're hopeless. Man, he can fill you with hope. You might feel like, the, you know, your life is, is, um, is, you know, like, I don't know if my life and God, I don't think those two things mesh. Man, there's the reason of Christmas is, uh, is the whole purpose was so that they could, so that you could know him. And man, we, we hope for that. And if you're a Jesus follower, man, we're challenging you. Keep, keep pressing in and, uh, and, and learning to know him more, growing to know him more. The relationship with him is keeping his teachings. And so uh, bring your Bibles this morning. Got, anybody got a few? We don't do this all the time, but well, we do. Anybody got them? All right, uh, good. Good to see you. Let's uh, open them up. Go to Luke chapter 2. A couple of weeks ago, we started a, a series called Considering Christmas, uh, and uh, the, just the thought being that to consider means you think carefully about something before you make a decision. You know, we do it about all kinds of things. Christmas shopping, what am I going to get my wife for Christmas? You carefully consider. You know, is that vacuum going to be as, uh, you know, appreciated as I think it's going to be? You know, you, you start thinking about things. Um, you start thinking, oh, shoot, Beth, if you're watching, I, it's a surprise. All right, so... Um, but, you know, you, can, you carefully consider things before you make decisions. And so last week when we looked at Matthew's account, we looked at how Matthew wrote to his Jewish um, b- brothers and sisters explaining that history had always pointed t- to Jesus and that there was a response, a decision. Carefully consider this and make a decision. And he laid out the decisions made by the Magi, the, the wise men, and the decisions made by Herod when the message of an, an, there's a new king in town and he's come to save you. They, they had their decisions, and we looked at that, and man, they were polar opposites. And so we wanted to look at, at another account today. You know, the truth is that he came, he came down to be with us. Uh, Emmanuel, that's what it is. God with us. He came down to be with us. And I think it's important that we slow down to be with him. That's the whole thing of considering. We slow down, and we start thinking. Really start thinking about Christmas. And, and, you know, you're like, well, of course we're thinking about Christmas. Look, you got a tree up and poinsettias. And there's Christmas everywhere. We've been thinking about Christmas. But have you been really thinking about Christmas? And so this morning I pray the prayer that John wrote to the churches in Revelation. 
Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. As you're listening this morning, my challenge is listen with your spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? May he give you understanding. And, and I, I'd encourage you with two thoughts this morning. Listen for what he wants to say to you. And it may have been through the worship. It may be through the message. It may be at a different point. But listen for his voice. What is he saying to me? And then also, because this is such a common story, I'd encourage you to listen for what he wants to say through you. Because there's people that you're around that you're going to come into contact with who are going to need to hear the message of hope through you. And, you know, I often have it where people are like, they'll call me up and be like, hey, you know, so-and-so's, you know, I've got a relative on their deathbed or whatever. Would you come? I don't know what to say to them. You know, and my, my, my hope is that as, even as listening through, to this this morning, it's like, wow, the story's not new, but man, I learned something new about how to share this with somebody else. Would you listen with those ears in mind this morning? And so let's uh, jump in. We're going to take a look at Luke's account this morning. Luke chapter 2, if you're there. <coughs> Luke, uh, just some history on him. He was not an eyewitness follower of Jesus. These are not, this is not something that he saw, but he went and met as many eyewitnesses as he could and took down their account. Luke wasn't even Jewish, which is good news for us because most of us are not Jewish. He, he was, he's the only non-Jewish person to write anything in the New Testament. Um, he became a follower of Jesus later in life, and then he was a companion of Paul and many others as they did their missionary journeys around Rome. And he was he he was a he was a a journaler. Any journalers here? You write stuff down? No. Well, we're glad Luke did. All right. So Luke was uh, he would journal as this is what happened. This is what happened in my life. These are the things that happened along the way. And so uh, Luke actually writes in, in uh, the very first words of his letter. He writes and explains why he wrote. So you don't have to flip there. You might. Luke 1, verse 1 says this. Many people have set out to write the accounts about events that have been fulfilled among us. He says uh, that there's been events that have happened. And what he's talking about is not a manger. He's talking about an empty cross and an empty tomb. And he's like, a man rose from the dead. Like everybody around here knows it. And many people are trying to write this down. And he says, um, they use the eyewitness report circulating among us from the early disciples. So there was a number of people. And he says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I've also decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, which means child of God. And he says, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. He's like, what I'm writing, I want anybody who reads this to know that I have done my homework. I've got the details, the names, the dates. I went and did the, the digging for you so you can be convinced of the truth of what you're reading. But I'm glad Luke did that. And I'm glad that Luke was a Gentile because he doesn't, he doesn't just assume people are going to understand Jewish tendencies. Matthew writes things like, it's funny, Matthew, you know, Matthew writes about how Jesus is walking down the beach and he sees, James, or he sees Peter and John and they're, they're fishing. He's like, hey, come follow me. And they're like, okay, see you, dad. We'll follow this guy. You're like, who does that? They, like, nobody would do that. And Luke's like, yeah, hold on a second. Let me give you the rest of the details. And Luke actually spells out all the details. And it was days of, there was days of, of prep before that ever happened and before they just followed along. I'm like, thanks, Luke. At least it's more clear to me. And so here's Luke's account of uh, the birth of Jesus. So Luke 2, you can follow along in your Bible. If you don't have the same version, you can follow along on the screen. It says this in verse 1, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And they all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. 
And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Here's names and dates and times. He's like, fact check me. The early readers, he's like, listen, this is where and when. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. They were guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Means they marveled and wondered, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Picturing it as you go along, you picturing what Luke's describing in great detail. You know, uh, I think about the the shepherd's experience, and as uh, we read, you know, just in verse eight, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields. You know, here Luke writes about shepherds, and as I thought about it, shepherds are like, like the normal guys. I don't know if we have a picture of them, but they're the normal guys. They're just doing, you know, normal jobs. And, and what happens? God interacts with these normal men. Normal, regular, everyday people. Any normal, regular, everyday people here today? Well, who are you? Man, we're in, everybody, man, we are in the, in the presence of super important people. Any normal, regular, everyday people here? I know some of you are like, I don't raise my hand for anything. I got you. I got you. I'm not, yeah, never mind. Normal. Because, you know, I, why do I want you to raise your hand? Because the, the idea wasn't that there was just be a story that was told. There was a story told that would affect our very lives. Normal, everyday, regular people is who God is all about. He's about you today. Man, he, he's not, like sometimes we, we, we think, oh, he's about... It's about important people, or people are just more important than me, or he cares more about um, different people, or, or he uses different people that have better skills. You know, I'm not like the guy at the front, or I mean, I can't play guitar like that guy, you know. Uh, we get these thoughts. Sometimes they're just subconscious, but all throughout Scripture, we see that God uses and works through the unexpected. Man, he takes Gideon, Gideon, the guy who's like the lowest in, the, in his family, in the lowest tribe of Israel, and the angel comes to Gideon, I'm gonna, you know, I got a mission for you. He's like, who, me? Must be the other Gideon. He's like, no, no, it's you. I know you're scared, you know, you got nothing going for you, but that's what I love, because you and me, man, we can make impossible things happen. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, Samuel, here's the kid, you know, God speaks to the uh, verbally and uh, to, this, to this group of people. He doesn't talk to the high priest. 
He doesn't talk to the priests and none of the hundreds of priests. Who does he call? He calls that young little boy sleeping in the temple. Samuel. Samuel. Today it might be. He didn't call. You know, he's not maybe you know, necessarily speaking straight to me or speaking to Charlie or the elders. He's speaking to that person sleeping. I'm not going to call all your name. You know, he's calling out to the, to, to, the, to the unlikely. You think about Moses. Moses was like, he's like, Moses, I, wanna, I, I want you to do something for me. He's like, I don't talk good. He's like, I don't care. You know, I'll send Aaron along, but we're going to go do something incredible. And Moses, with God with him, ends up changing the history of the nation of Israel, becoming incredibly famous. You look at the life of Jesus. When God was in a body, who did he hang out with? He hung out with the poor, the sick, the uneducated, the children. His first disciples, they weren't the most notable characters. Man, I, I, the, the more that I read about them, the better it starts looking for us. Right? God wants to work with normal people, regular, everyday people. And the shepherds are a sign of that. And I know he desires to do the same thing today. God with you. What does that look like, really? And I think we underestimate that. I know I do. We underestimate God. Like, God and I can do anything. I can do nothing, and he does the rest. God with us. Man, that's powerful. Here's some regular, everyday, normal guys, and then there's a suddenly that happens in their life. They're just doing their normal job, and then there's a suddenly. And I thought about that. There's a rarity of good suddenlies in life, you know? We got bad suddenlies that happen, but the rarity of the good suddenlies, the things that you're waiting for, and then boom, they, they happen. It's like, you know, when a baby's born. You know, we used to have, you know, back in the day, you had to wait like a whole nine months to know the gender of your child. Right? It was like it was, it was, it was, if the child was born, you'd be like, yeah, it's a boy, or yeah, it's a girl, right? It was those exciting moments. And now it's like, man, like they got 3D ultrasounds. You know your babies. You know, you know everything about them. It's like they, they're telling you, here's the gender reveal like at three months. And, it's like a, and they're going to have, you know, this is their name and got a life plan for them. Here's where they're going to go to school. And, you know, and then the day arrives like, you know, all of a sudden you're like chatting with your buddies. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, Brad was born last night. And you're like, oh, okay. You know. And dudes, we've lost that moment of like that excitement of, whoa, man, been waiting. It's, it's a... It's a boy. You know, I, I, um, I was listening to a guy named Malcolm Geit, um, a very, very interesting guy. He's a priest and a poet. My wife's into poetry, not, me not so much, but I was watching this guy, and I'm like, turn on the video, and it's like, he looks like he's from The Hobbit. He's like this. He looks like, with all of his robes, he looks like one of those, whatever, the, from The Hobbit. I don't know. One of, the, uh, one of those powerful men. And uh, he begins to speak, and he begins to talk about, uh, about Advent and the arrival of Jesus and how, for so many of us, the surprise of Christmas just isn't, isn't the same anymore. Do you think about that for a second? By the time Christmas arrives, we've had so much Christmas that it's like, I'm almost sick of Christmas by the time it gets there. I don't want to hear another Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on Christmas Day. Like, I've heard it since November 1st on the radio. Right? We've had Christmas parties. How many have been to one already? Yeah, we're doing hands, I know. So he's like, yeah, you've been, you've been, to, a, you've been to a Christmas party. You know, and my, it, there's the, the kids want to open the gifts early. There's like, there's this kind of a loss of that morning that arrives. You're looking so forward to it that it's, it's, it's this incredible surprise, the light, the, the light of the surprise. You know, um, he was talking about how we sometimes need to really take some time to consider the darkness to think a little bit more about what, what darkness was really like. It's like, you know, when, when darkness 
was present, and then there was the arrival of Christ. It was like the lights came on. With, look at these guys. It was like this suddenly the lights come on. You know, it's, we, we, it's not sitting there. It's like, oh, it just got a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter and a little bit brighter, like it does for us with, you know, dawn. And it's like it's not this shocking thing. That's kind of like what happens with Christmas for us. It's like, you know, oh, I saw, you know, one week there's some lights up, and then, you know, there's a, there's a tree up, and there's a, there's a barn in the front entryway, and, you know, it's like it just gradually makes its way in. And we miss, like, the, the, the boom of what his arrival meant. And these guys, man, they, they experienced it. And they experienced what that was like, just like, it's dark, and now it isn't. And, uh, the, man, they, they said they were on guard. These, uh, these shepherds, you know, shepherds are at night. They're on guard. There's, they're standing out in their fields. I don't know if we have a picture of this guy. But just uh, the guy, the shepherd out in the field, he's, he's watching. And they're watching, scanning the horizon. They've got their, their eyes looking, you know, to see if they're going to see any troublemakers or any predators. And uh, have you ever had those, um, those, somebody sends you a video and it's like, it tells you to lean in close to the screen and try and read these tiny words. And all of a sudden, boom, like a snake pops up on the screen. Yeah, those, man. I, they're so fun to watch other people watch. You know, and that, that's kind of what happens to these guys. They're like, they're watching so close, and then it's like, uh, massive, massive amount of light and, and uh, this, this massive message. And, and here you are, you got, you got these guys terrified. And I think that was the automatic response. It would be for us as well. But was it the appropriate response? You know, I think about um, the Magi last week or two weeks ago when the wise men came. We talked about how these men of royalty got down on their knees and bowed to the ground before a toddler. Man, the important people realize there's somebody more important than me. And we talked about how sometimes we need more of that reverence and that awe for who he is. That we remember who it is that we worship. So I was reading through our, read through the, um, we're reading through the whole Bible the group yesterday, we read Revelation 4. Let me read a little bit to you here. Revelation 4, verse 11. Here's what John hears in heaven. He hears them all singing, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Why are you worthy? Because you created all things. That's why you're worthy. It doesn't matter what else you've done. You created all things, including me. You are worthy. You are worthy of glory, honor, and praise and all these things that you created exist because you created what you please. He's worthy. And I think it's important for us, especially in this season, to be careful not to become too familiar with him. Not just thinking, oh, it's just the baby in the manger. It's just this little deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's God with us. It is the creator of all with us. Man, there's something. And for some, you're like, yeah, but if I think about that, I'm, I get the terror. I get the fear thing. Well, we learned from the shepherds that we don't need to be afraid. You know, the shepherds said too, the angel mentioned, I bring you good news, a great joy. And for some, these are the words you need to hear today to draw you close to him. You have this, you have this reservation with the Lord. You have this intimidation, this trepidation that he's going to, he's going to do something bad to you. This fear of, 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 of who he is. And, and the angel's message to them was, you don't need to be afraid. I've only got good news for you. And it will bring great joy. First John, verse 4, John writes about this and says this, God, verse 9, God showed how much he loved us. 
This is the deal. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. That, that night when he came into the manger, it was so he could show how much he loved us so that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, this is real love. Because there's all kinds of fake kind of love. He says, not that we love God. It's not a big deal that we love the greatest person in the universe. That, that doesn't take much. He says, real love is that he loves us. He loves me. He loves me. He loves you. Can you say that with me? He loves me. He loves me. <laughs> like, it, man, David says, man, when he writes, he writes in the Psalms, like, the creator of all, he's like, who are we that you even think about us? And John's like, think about you. He loves you. The God of all creation loves you. Have you considered that? It's why he sent his son. It's because he loves you. Young people in the back, man, do you know that he loves you? Like, really know that. And maybe there's things going through your mind. You're like, oh, yeah, but this happened and this happened and and whatever else. And it's like these thoughts. We're going to get to that. But he loves us is what John's saying. That's why all this happened. Luke chapter 2, verse 15 Carry on. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Man, let's see this thing that's happened that the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. You know, when they heard the message of the Lord, when they heard his voice, and maybe the same this morning for you, they went to see for themselves. Like we said with the wise men last week, they went to find the baby for themselves. And we're just like, I'm just going to like, oh, listen to what somebody else says. And I encourage you this morning too, if you hear his prompting in your heart today, if you feel him speaking to your heart today, would you dig in a little deeper? It's kind of like the drawing card. It's like the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend you know, the, the, the reach into your heart, but I'm, I'm waiting for you to just to grab on. That you would reach out for me. That you would come a little closer to me. You know, for the shepherds, it was this loud message, right? There was no doubt what they were supposed to do. Like the angel's like, boom, hello. Oh, wait, don't be afraid. I got good news for you. I want you to go and find this baby. But oftentimes, I don't experience that. I experience a still, small voice on the inside where he's calling, on the, calling for different things here. And I believe the same thing this morning. I believe when we put ourselves under his word, he begins to do that. And he can do it all over this room, in the cafe, even online. He's not limited by technology. He begins speaking. He's speaking for a reason. You know, like the, the uh, shepherds, they didn't wait around. They're not like my kids at bedtime. You know, my kids dawdle at bedtime. It is just something. You know, it's like, oh, I'm putting them to bed, and then, oh, they come back. Even after they're done, they're tucked in, it's not over. You know, all of a sudden, like, one's coming. I just had to say goodnight to mom. Okay. Goodnight, mom. Okay, back to bed. I just had to come up and get a drink. Okay, get a drink. Come think, man, goodnight, drink, we're good. So the next time comes up, my sock is itchy. I don't even know how that's possible. Good night, right? Like, doddle, doddle, doddle. You know, I think some of us do the same thing when it comes to the Lord speaking, but not these guys. They were like, no, they hurried to find the child. You know, as I pictured this, I don't, man, I find this hilarious. Can you picture that? Can you pick, just for a second, can you picture the night shift blue collar workers? Like, here are these guys. They hear, oh, there's a baby born. Guys, stop the shift. We're all going to the hospital. We got to go see the baby. We all gotta, come on, guys. We all go see the baby. I just can't. 
I'm like, this is like, uh, we had it this um, we had it this week, actually, with our men's group. One of the guys in our men's group had a baby. Well, he didn't. Men don't have babies. Just saying. Um, he, uh, his wife had a baby, and so, like, we were praying along with them, like, a few, you know, a week ago. He's like, oh, man, we think today's the day. Pray, with, pray for my wife. I'm like, okay. And then it didn't happen that day. And so it's the next day. Oh, man, like, you know, hopefully it's the day. Pray for my wife. I'm like, okay, we're praying with you, brother. And the next day, he's like, just pray for me, you know. It's a little rough. And so we're like, we'll pray for you. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, after a few days, it's like, we get the text. It's a boy. We're like, wow, right on. Congratulations. And you hear all the guys, you know, congratulations, you know, good name. Rube's like, did you name it after me? And, you know, they, they text these things. You know what they didn't do? Mark DeYoung's like, oh, I got to park this excavator. I got to get to their house, man. There's a home birth. We got to get there. You know, fellas, Rube, I'll pick you up on the way. We're going to see the baby. <laughs> Women might, but men, like, no. It, this is what happened that night. And as I think about that, why do I think that's interesting? Because not only did they hurry to go do, they hurried to go do something that was awkward. And oftentimes it's the things that God asks us in our heart. They sometimes feel a little bit awkward. They feel like things that we're not, I don't know that I'm going to want to do that. And he begins to poke at things in our life to do, but he says they go quickly. You know, I remember as a teenager, I wrote a poem that, uh, about this, this experience in my life, and I remember it says, when you hear his voice, be quick to obey. The longer you wait, the fainter it gets until eventually it drifts away. But it comes back again. You know, God wants to deal with something in your life. He begins dropping in your heart. I want you to forgive that person. Or I need you to go and, and do this, this, and this. Or I, I actually want you to give this up. And you're like, oh, you know, you, you, you don't respond. And it gets quieter and quieter. Like, oh, okay, good. I don't have to forgive. I don't have to do that thing. I don't have to give. I don't have to do that thing. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, a year down the road, something happens, and there, there it comes back again. Hey, I still want you to forget. I still want you to give. I still want you to give that up, whatever it may be. And the question today is, is there anything that he's calling you to do that you've been putting off? These are things you feel like his prompting in your heart, and it happens sometimes. You're like, yeah, it happens when I come here. I know. I know. What is he asking you to do, and what do you put off and not actually do? These men were incredibly quick to obey what he was saying. And you know what? Maybe for you, it's actually surrendering your life to him. Maybe that's what keeps coming to you. You're like, man, I got, I got one foot in the world and one foot and following Christ. And man, this doesn't work very well. I know he's, he's calling me to surrender at all, but uh, not the, I just don't know if I can do it this week. I, I, I feel like it. You know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6. He says, as God's partners, in verse 1, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. He's like, whatever he's calling you to do, whatever he's prompting to you to do, today is the day. It's, it's the time is, is now. Whether that's forgiving somebody, Maybe it's blessing someone. You feel prompted. You're to give something to somebody. Maybe it's uh, giving something up. Whatever it may be, today is the day to respond to his voice. And I encourage you to consider your response. And then Luke 2, verse 17, 18, as we wind down, it says, After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. What had happened. What they had seen. What the angel had said to them about the child. 
And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, and they marveled. You know, it says this, after seeing him, they told everyone. I, I don't think that's just sequential order. I don't think, I know Luke was writing, hey, this is how it happened. They saw the baby, and then they went and told everyone. But I don't think that's only just because that's the order it happened. The shepherds, you know, they could have gone and just told everybody what the angel told them. Right? The angel's like, hey, there's a, there's a Messiah born in, a, in, in Bethlehem, in a, and you'll find him in a stable. And they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And they go tell everybody, guess what? An angel talked to me. You'll never believe what he said. There's a baby in a barn somewhere in Bethlehem. And they're like, pass it on, right? They didn't. They didn't go and tell just what they had heard. What did they do? They went and experienced him firsthand. They went and found him for themselves. <laughs> And this morning, man, that is my heart for you, is that, they, that you would find him for yourself. Because how often is it that we have in church? It's like, oh, yeah, you go, and, you go and tell people what you've heard somebody else say. You know, I remember youth mission trips too, right? We're like, go on a mission trip. Okay, everybody, we're going to do street ministry. You're going to go tell people about Jesus. And like, what do we tell them, you know? And you go like knock on doors and like, hey, you like Jesus and stuff, you know? It's, uh, and people like ask you a question, you know, why do you follow Christ? I'll get back to you on that. I don't, I, hey, why do we follow, right? We don't know. We just, like, the guy at the front said stuff, and so I'm going to kind of, like, tell stuff. And you have, and you, like, at youth ministry, but I know what happens at work, too. Guys, like, hey, they saw, I, I think I saw you silent pray. You know, or like, you go to church? You're a Christian? Uh, yeah, 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 I am. Oh, man, like, what do you think about the Bible? Uh, it's good. You know, what's it mean to be a Christian? Follow the Ten Commandments and stuff. I know you don't do that. Well, I know, but I try. You know, it's, it's like there's, like, no understanding of what I'm supposed to, I just say what the guy at the front said, right? that's not what happened here. And I know for some, it's like, hey, go. You know the song, go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it everywhere. Jesus is born. Go spread the gospel. Jesus said to his disciples, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And for some, you hear that, and it feels like pressure. You're like, oh, you know, I know I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to, you know, go and tell people about Christ. But here, got a little quick graphic for you. These guys went to discover it for themselves. They first, they did two things. They discovered for themselves, and then they told others about it. Those two things. And I would say this. If it feels like pressure to do this, to tell people about others, if it feels like pressure, then maybe you need to do this. Maybe you actually need to go and just discover him for yourself. And that's not just going to church. That is that thing of saying, God, you have my heart. Lord, I'm going to dig into your earth. I want to find you for myself. Because then when it happens, man, it begins to like overflow out of your heart and your life. You, you, you don't really have much choice but to tell other people. That's what happened with them. Anytime God does something great in a person's life, they just happen. They just have to tell other people. And you know, it's interesting um, the, what these guys shared. They, they shared that the baby was enough. You know, the Savior was enough. That, that's all they needed to know was that their Savior had been born, that there was a Savior. That's all, that's all they needed. You know, the shepherds didn't, you know, they didn't gather around the manger and all of a sudden start like, oh man, this is the Son of God. Let's wait and see if he can do tricks. You know, like maybe he can make the straw like alive or something. They're like, they didn't gather around and get down on their knees and like start praying. Oh man, to the baby Jesus, you're the Son of God. I could really use a new ram. You know, it's like, that's like we would pray, right? Like, I could really use a new truck. You know, I could really use some new stuff. That, that, that's not what they did. They were just simply that he's, an, he's enough. He's enough. And the early disciples would do the same. They said, we just preach Christ and him crucified. He's enough. 
It's a good thought for us to ponder because for many, for many, if we think about it, we don't really believe that he's enough. And I'll, I'll wait to tell people about Christ when he does X, Y, Z in my life. Or talk to people and they got all this laundry list of all the stuff God hasn't done. He hasn't answered this prayer. He hasn't done this. He, you know, this didn't work out in my life. I didn't get the job. You know, this isn't going very well. I'm not, I'm not healed in my man cold yet or whatever it is. Have you considered what he has done for you? What he has done for you. Oh my. Oh my, when I consider what he has done for me, does he have to do anything else? Man, it's what he's done for us. And this Christmas, the hope is that we take time to ponder and wonder and savor and consider what he's done for you, for me. Let's finish it. Luke 2, verse 19. Mary kept all these things in her heart, thought about them often. What does that mean? She considered them often. She'd slow down often to think about, to be in the moment of it. The shepherds, they went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. You know, the shepherds, regular, normal guys, went back to their regular, normal jobs, but they were no longer the same. Man, they're there in their job praising and glorifying God. I bet you they were singing. There's a whole lot of singing that happens in that. There's a whole lot of singing that happens in the Bible. They, here's these guys. They're like, man, I got a song in my heart. Something, something's changed inside. How about you? What's it look like at your work, at your job, at your home? You know, as they're aware of his goodness, they're aware of his promise kept, they're aware of salvation. Man, I'm, I'm saved. God loves me. That, that's enough to put a smile on my face and to sing a so- song. That is, that's enough. They knew they had heard his voice and his message. And for them, it was a life-changing moment. As we close today, the question is this. Is Christmas a life-changing moment for you? What about you? And what about those around you? You know, Christmas can be a life-changing moment for many. It can be for many if we'll slow down to consider what it really is. You know, I have one last story to tell you, and it happens right after this. It's a few verses down. You can follow along in verse 28. But about a week later, um, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, uh, and they meet a guy there named Simeon. And Simeon's been waiting in the temple. He's another guy who's on guard. He had heard from the Lord in his heart. He says, Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Savior of the world. And he's like, okay, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. If I'm still alive, he hasn't arrived yet. And then he sees Mary and Joseph come in, and he looks, and he's like, it's him. It's him. And as they bring the baby, he takes the baby, and he's like, he looks, and he's like, this is perfection. You know I know every parent thinks their child's perfect, but when's like the time you, first, you bring your child to, for the first time to the doctor and the doctor picks it up and is like, oh, it's perfection. Never. But Simeon's like, picks up this baby. He's like, this is per- perfection. And as he looks into the eyes of his Savior, as he's holding him in his arms, he makes a declaration and a prophecy and he says this, verse 28, Simeon was there, he took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all Israel. He's a light. <coughs> Almost made all the way. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall but he'll be a joy to many others. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce his very soul. 
Simeon knew that he could die in peace because he had seen his salvation. And I would say this, it's the only way you can die in peace. Really is, is that you know your salvation. You know, do you have peace with God today? Are you like Simeon, you're like, yeah, no, I know. I know my Savior. I, I, I'm good. I'm good. But Simeon went on to say about Jesus, he's like, this baby's going to have an effect on many, many people. And it wasn't just in Israel that day, and it wasn't just in those weeks. It was ongoing, and it will happen even here this morning. There will be some who stumble over the simplicity of the gospel, that for by grace we have been saved through faith in him, through trusting in him. It's not of ourselves. It's not of our works, lest we should boast and think we had something to do with it. He offers it out, saying, listen, (laughs) you need to be rescued, and when you realize you do, my gift is I'll rescue you. I'll rescue you. But some will stumble over that. Others will resist and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm good with being the safe part, but I do not need a master. I'm a, I want to be my own master. We have so many who live this false Christianity thinking, I can be saved, but I don't have to do anything that Jesus says. I'll just, you know, they want to change the Bible. Like, I, I don't like that it says this and this and this, so I'm actually not going to, we're going we're gonna to change what that says. That, that's not really sin, you know, or God really didn't mean that, and, and whatever else. He's like, no, no, no. There's, no. there's only one way, one truth. And he says, he says that, that's the part of it, that I surrender to that. You know, others are going to have, they're going to have a hard time with it. But then there's others here. You just simply respond and realize, you know what? And this is what I, I know he's calling me to. I know he's calling me to him. And, and I just gratefully surrender, and you will find great joy. You will find great joy. If you haven't found great joy yet, I don't know if you found him. It doesn't mean there's like, oh, life is easy. But there's this something down in there that ju- just continues to carry you through. It's him. And so, Kingsway, those watching online, would you take some time this Christmas to carefully consider to consider Christmas and consider Christ, to just slow down and really think about him. You know, for me, I just read through the, through the gospel accounts, through these things, and I just slowly read through. I've read through a number of times over the past couple of weeks, and just these thoughts jump out. You're like, that's how you write a sermon? Yeah, maybe you could preach sometime. You're like, mine will be shorter. And everybody said, amen. But it's allowed him to just speak to you. And may that affect your decisions. And may it affect your pursuit of him, that you would find Christ for yourself. You know, we sing that song, Joy to the World. And there's a line in there, let every heart prepare him room. Have you considered that for a minute? If this heart is going to make room for him, he needs it all. He needs it all. He's like, I want it all. And this morning as I think about that, sometimes it's tough. I'm like, God, I don't know if I can give up that part or this, this whatever. I, I know you want it all, but I, it's hard for me to trust until we look at what he's done. Leave it to the words of the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, On Which the Prince of Glory Died. My riches gain, I count but loss. Pour contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine. If I owned all things, everything in nature, it would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You know, that we would open our hearts to him fully this Christmas and allow him to just flood it with himself because guess what? We can't contain it. We cannot contain him. He will overflow. It's not this pressure to go and tell it on the mountain. 
The pressure is, open the door and let him in. He'll do the rest. This morning, I hope, I've challenged you with the story of these shepherds that regular, everyday, normal people can have encounters with God that changes the rest of their lives and the lives of those around them. And man, that's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for great things. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. We're just aware of your presence here today. and grateful. Man, grateful for you. Lord, that you would love us is unconscionable, Lord. We know us. And you do too. And yeah, you love us. Incredible. Incredible. Jesus, I, I just pray today for those who are wrestling with, they hear your voice and they're wrestling with that. Lord, I pray that they would have a sense of your goodness this morning and your greatness. Oh, Lord, as we are meant to live our lives for you, there's nothing else that satisfies. May that be just clearly clearly aware in them. And Lord, for those of us who know you and this desire to follow you, thank you, Holy Spirit, you continue to draw us into your presence to simply enjoy the gift of being with you. Thank you we can come boldly into your throne room this morning. Lord, we love you and are grateful, are grateful for what you did for us on the cross. May we, oh man, may we consider that and live out of that uh, this week. And may you be glorified as a result. I ask this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.